You are coming in in the middle of a series. So we have been in a series covering the Beatitudes, um, the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount. Um, And so tonight we're going to be covering one of them, one single verse. Um, And what the Beatitudes are is they are a marker or markers of people that are in the kingdom of God. So if you would consider yourself to be a believer, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're in the kingdom of God. And if you're in the kingdom of God, the Beatitudes should define who you are. It's things that you ought to be. So tonight we're going to be talking about one of them. Uh, You can turn, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 5. If you don't have your Bibles and you're sitting in one of the comfy chairs, you might have a Bible under your seat. If you are not in a comfy chair, I cannot help you with that. Um, So I want to start by sharing a story. So when I was in 11th grade, uh, I regretfully was kind of boy crazy. Um, And at that point, I had a crush on this boy named Ryan. Uh, This boy Ryan and I had kind of been back and forth liking each other for a couple years, but when I liked him, he liked someone else. When he liked me, I liked someone else. Well, 11th grade prom season came, and the stars aligned, and uh, Ryan asked me to prom, and I was really, I know, I was really excited about it. Uh, He was super funny, and so I knew it was just going to be a blast. Well, Ryan and I started hanging out after he asked me to prom, just kind of leading up to prom. And one night he texted me and said, Allie, do you want to hang out? And I said, sure. So he picked me up. We went to Wendy's because that's what we did when I was in high school. And we got Wendy's and then he took me, we were on a drive and he took me to this lookout over this lake and the stars were out. He pulls a blanket out, puts it on the hood of his car and we're eating our Wendy's and just hanging out. And it was this romantic time together. So the next day, I go to school, and I'm telling my friend Marissa all about it, and she looks at me with this face that I didn't really understand, and I was like, what? What is your problem? And she was like, well, I hate to tell you this, but Ryan took me there last week. Yeah. So Ryan uh, asked me to prom, took me to this special place, made me feel super special. The week prior had taken Marissa. Well, it turns out two weeks before that, he had taken another girl to the same spot. So I quickly learned that Ryan's attention was very divided. He had his attention on me, but also a couple other girls. Fast forward five years. My ninth grade crush comes back into my life by the grace of God. His name is Andrew Nickerson. He is now my husband. And yes, he pursues me like no man ever had pursued me and made me feel like the only girl in the world. He had this single focused, unmixed devotion towards me. I felt like 100% of him was all for me. And that's why we got married. What we are talking about tonight has nothing to do with dating. But what it does have to do with is a single focused pursuit of God. And in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 8, if you'll turn there and look with me, it says this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
So because this is only one verse, I want to kind of dissect it first before we jump into all of the meaning surrounding it. Because I think it's really important for you to understand what these words mean because it's going to help you to piece it together and understand the big picture. So if we look at that first word, blessed, you might have a connotation with this word because you may have an Instagram and you use it in in your hashtags, hashtags, hashtag blessed, hashtag living my best life. You might think that being blessed is having a boyfriend. You might think being blessed is going to Chick-fil-A. I don't know what blessed is to you, but this, in this verse, blessed means approval by God, approved by God, or having God's favor, which is the highest good that you could have. Way better than Chick-fil-A, way better than having a boyfriend, being approved by God. So then we move on to the second word, pure. What does pure mean? It means unsoiled or 100% of something. So really cheesy example, if you have a white t-shirt, 100% white t-shirt, you have one black thread in that t-shirt, it is not 100%. It's like 99.99. This is talking about 100% of something. So approved by God are 100% of what? Pure in heart. This is the seat or the center of your desires, your feelings, your affections, your passions, your impulses. It's you. It's who you are. Your heart is who you are. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life and every, everything flows from that. I want you to focus on the fact that it says pure in heart and it does not say pure in action or pure in behavior. And that's really, really important. Uh, so if you can flip over to Matthew 23... In verse 25 through 27, we see this example that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and giving this warning to the Pharisees and the scribes. And he says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I heard a student, I was talking to a student a couple weeks ago, and she said this to me. She said, you know, you really don't know a person until you find out what they do on the weekend. In school, they may be one way. They may put on a good act, wear a mask. They may seem okay. But what they do on the weekend might look very different. That doesn't sound like 100% purity to me. It sounds like something that's unmixed. It sounds like trying to cover stuff up on the outside, but really the inside of you isn't so great. So then we move on to the last part of this verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall... See God. This is a question that a lot of people ask. How do I know God is real? Can't see him. But this verse is saying, those who are pure in heart shall see God. 
So what does that mean? It means they will see God now and in eternity. So how will you see him now? Well, you can see him in creation. So somebody who does not know God may look at the blue sky and say, wow, what a great blue sky. Someone who knows God will say, wow, look at that sky. Our creator is incredible. They know that there's something beyond the blue sky that created it. They look at creation and they see the creator, not just the creation. You can also see God in his word. And when you read his word, he comes alive to you and he speaks to you. You see him in your life and you see him in your circumstances. In the midst of a storm, you see how he's at work in your life. But that's not it. You see him now, but it's this promise that you will see him fully in eternity. Pure as he is, you will see him for everything that he is. And that is incredible. So this verse is saying, do not be double-minded. Be single-focused in your pursuit of God. Give everything that you have inside of your impulses, your behavior, your feelings, your passions. Give them to God, and he's going to lead you. So if you're like me, you might have some questions. And if you don't have questions, I'm going to help you come up with the questions that you should be asking in light of this verse. What does it mean to be double-minded? And how do I know if I am double-minded? So here are some questions that I want you to consider, and I want you to think about them personally for yourself. Is pleasing people more important to you than pleasing God? Do you put popularity before what you believe is right? What occupies your mind when no one is around you? Are you more concerned with your reputation or your character? What do you want more than anything else? Do you want to glorify God with your life or do you want to make much of yourself? Have you ever been tempted to follow what to not follow what God says to do? How about when things get hard? Where do you run? Do you run to God? Do you run to your phone? Do you run to the things you can find on your phone? Do you run to your friends? Do you run to alcohol? What is it for you? Where are you running when life gets hard? So if you're sitting there thinking, man, I answered yes to at least one of those things, if not all of them. If you don't think you're answering yes to them, but you're thinking about the person next to you and how they are, You probably are also struggling with double-mindedness. So, great. I'm not 100% pure all the time. So does this mean that I'm not saved and I'm never going to see God? No. Purity of heart does mean 100% devotion. However, we live in a fallen, broken world. There's some verses, some scripture in Romans that I think kind of gives us a great picture of this. Um, and also helps us to focus our attention as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. So in Romans 3, I'm going to go through them and explain to you the key highlights. Romans 3, 23 through 25, and it should be up on the screen. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. So this verse tells us all of us have fallen short. 
that list of questions that I just had you answer, I am sure all of you answered to that that you are double-minded in some way. If not, please come up to me later. I'd love to meet you. All of us have fallen short. There's not a single one of us that hasn't. In Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I read that verse, I put myself in the position and remember the things that I have done. So today there were things, things that I thought in my mind. Maybe I got irritated with somebody who was driving in front of me and got really angry. Whatever the case may be. I think about those situations and I think about this God who knows everything and that when Jesus was on the cross, he was thinking about that moment and he died for me in my place. While I was still sinning, Christ died for me. And then in Romans 10, 9, it says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, he sent Jesus. And if we believe in him, we believe in his death, and we believe in his resurrection, then we are saved. And so the answer to that second question, well, I make mistakes, so what now? Positionally, if you have received salvation through Jesus, positionally, your position before God, you are saved, and God looks at you as unblemished, as pure. Your position before God, he looks at you and he sees Jesus. Okay, so great. So he looks at you and he sees purity. So that must mean you're pure of heart, right? You're good because of what Jesus did. It's fine. You can do whatever you want, right? No, it's not correct. If you truly understand the gospel and what has been done for you, it makes you incredibly grateful Because you know what you deserved, and you're not getting what you deserve. You're getting Jesus. It is this desire that wells up in you to pursue a life that is 100% pure of heart. You're not going to do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly. But it is this striving. There's this word. It's a big word. It's sanctification. How I've heard this described is it is basically a long obedience in the same direction. You know that you are saved. You know that God is holy and he calls you to be holy as he is holy. And so you are pursuing relationship with him and it has you in this long obedience in the same direction where you may fall off a little bit here or make a mistake, but you quickly remember what Jesus did for you and it gets you back focused on this single focused path to God. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It is this active pursuit of pursuing relationship with the God who saved you. So at this point, you should know where you're at. Either you are saved and you believe in what Jesus did and that he rose again and you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior and you are living your life for him and you are in the kingdom of God. Or you're not. 
But if you are a believer here tonight and you consider yourself a follower of Christ and in the kingdom of God, then you should be asking this question next. What does single-focused devotion to God look like? What ought I to be? What is the marker of one who is pure in heart so I will see God now and in eternity? And I think there's three important things. The first is this. They recognize their daily need for Jesus and his sacrifice. In John 15, 5, it says, Abide in me and I in you, for apart from me you can do nothing. It doesn't just say abide in me. It says and I in you, which says relationship. Jesus was instructing this to his disciples right before, before the crucifixion, before he went to the cross. And he was telling them, this is really important for you to know as my disciples. You need to know that you have to keep coming back to me and return to me over and over and over every single day because you cannot do it without me. This is the best way I know how to describe it. Each one of you probably has a house or an apartment somewhere where you live. You know where the kitchen is, you know where the refrigerator is, you know where the bathroom is. You dwell there. You abide there. This is what Jesus is saying. Just as you go back to your house day in and day out because you dwell there and you live there, dwell in me. Come back to me day in and day out, minute by minute. Consider me your dwelling place. That's what it ought to look like for someone that is in the kingdom of God. Knowing that without Jesus, we can do nothing. The second thing, they spend time reading and remembering or memorizing God's word. In Psalm 119.9, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. A couple weeks ago, I met with this little 11th grade girl, and we were talking about scripture, and she was telling me about things that she was going through in her life, and I was pointing out some scripture to her, and I kept turning to different places. And she said, Allie, how do you know where things are in the Bible? And I said, well, I read it. I read the Bible. And I try to remember where things are. I don't know where everything is. I have a lot to learn. And there was a time in my life that I would read sometimes, but then not read. But then you come face to face with grace. And the God who loves you. And it makes you hunger for more. Because here's the deal. You're not going to get clean if you don't take a shower. Like if you never take a shower, you're not going to smell good. It's just how it works. If you never read God's word, you're not going to know what it says. And this God who saved you, who calls you to holiness as he is holy, you're not going to know what holiness looks like because you're not going to know what his word says. And so if you're in the kingdom of God, you should want to know who God is and his character and what it says. And it makes you hungry for it and you want to memorize it so when you're in certain situations... Someone's talking to you and maybe they're being mean to you and you can't hear them because you're reciting scripture over and over in your mind. Like in Psalm 32, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. It's like this. I can't hear you because you have scripture going through your head. So it doesn't even hurt. People that are in the kingdom of God want to know what God's word says. 
And the last thing, they seek and pray to God, asking him to change them or to sanctify them, to help them live this long obedience in the same direction. In Psalm 86, 11, it says, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. David wrote this. And if you know anything about the story of David, you might know that David committed adultery. David murdered a guy. Those are just a couple of the things that David did wrong or sinful. And yet he writes this, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth, unite my heart to fear your name. And David was considered a man after God's own heart. Because he continually cried out to God, and we see it in the Psalms saying, God, I am wretched. My heart is wicked. And I desperately need you to change me because without you, apart from you, I just can't. That's our heart. That's what our heart should be pursuing. The promise of pursuing a life that is undivided in devotion to God is seeing him. In 1 John 3, 1 through 3, it says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but what we know But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. See what kind of love the father has given to us that he sent Jesus to die in our place. That God would call us his children. And the reason why the world doesn't know us is because we're not double-minded. We have a single focus, pursuit, unmixed devotion for God. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Because someday we will be 100% pure. With God, seeing him fully as he is. And everyone who hopes in God desires to purify himself as their God is pure. That is the hope that we have. And when we pursue a life of holiness, we gain access to seeing God at work in our lives now and fully in eternity. We live lives of purity now because someday we ultimately will be 100% pure. So our present actions, the things that we do now as people that are children of God in the kingdom of God, should be consistent with what someday we will be. So I'm going to ask uh, Josh to come up and get ready to lead us in a response. And I want you to take a minute right now. I know that some of you, you've been going, going, going for two days. I don't know what your week has looked like. I don't know a lot of you, but God does. And he knows the condition of your heart. And so I want you to take a couple minutes as we respond, and I want you to think about the condition of your heart. Are you a follower of Christ? Are you in the kingdom of God? If not, do you want to be?
Maybe you've realized throughout this message that maybe you're pursuing a life that looks more double-minded than single-minded. I don't know what it is for you. But you do. And God does. So as we respond, I'm going to pray and we're going to give you time to respond. And I want you to consider where your heart is at. Because it's really, really important. Because your heart is who you are. God gave you your heart. He made you individually. So don't waste this time. You can if you want. But I would beg of you not to. Because this is the most important stuff that you could ever think about. And whether you think you need it now or not, you do and you will.